Hello, my name's Jacqueline Dunkley-Bent and I'm the Chief Midwifery Officer for the NHS in England. This is a first of many podcasts that we're going to be running um, about maternity policy and its implementation. And today is an exciting Monday. Why? Because I've got Chief Nurse, in fact I've got two Chief Nurses, one from the Royal Cornwall NHS Trust and that's the amazing Kim O'Keefe. And I've got uh, Pippa Nightingale, Chief Nurse from Chelsea and Westminster NHS Foundation Trust. Delighted to have you both with me today. Thank you, Jackie. Thank you. you. Lovely to be here. Yeah. Great. So it's an exciting Monday because we have had um, the maternity policy, better births, Uh, going now for three years. We're three years into the implementation of of the ambitions and um, I'm going to be focusing today on continuity of carer. Now, Better Birth says that most women should have continuity of carer by 2021 and we've done many things over the last three years to support midwives, to support maternity care providers and others realise the benefits of continuity of carer and the evidence tells us that if you implement continuity of carer you will improve outcomes. We have a national ambition to reduce perinatal mortality, morbidity and avoidable brain injury by 50% by 2025. We also have a national ambition to reduce the rate of preterm births from 8% to 6%. And we know, it's not rocket science, we know that if you implement continuity of carer, the evidence tells us that you can reduce your preterm birth rate by 24%. And there are many more outcomes, not least of all, improving the experience of women and their families. So why wouldn't we implement continuity of carer for all women in England. We're really proud of the fact that as of March this year, we had 17.3% of women receiving continuity of carer. That's some 10,000 women. Um, And that is an awful lot more than we had when we started from a 2% start position in 2017. We have plans to progress that um, ambition to 35% by March 2020. And so I'm delighted to hear from our two chief nurses about what more we can do to stimulate maternity providers to ensure that most women in England are afforded the privilege of having this amazing care. So firstly, I'm going to go to Kim. Thank you very much, Jackie. So delighted to be here. I've spent the morning travelling up from the sunny Cornwall and the Isles of Scilly. And I think today it's to talk about a more rural aspect of applying and implementing continuity of carer. So a little bit of an update. So as you know, everyone usually sees the sunny, bright Isles of Scilly or Cornwall in the summer. Everybody's been there on summer holiday. But what actually it masks is we have very, very deprived areas. We have some of the most deprived areas in the country. We also have quite a large traveling community as well, which always doesn't come to the front. So if we look at continuity of carer and where we are today, So we achieved 21% 
this year. We know that we have to look at the 31% for next year, but working hard with the teams, and here I must stress it's the engagement with your teams, communication, they've decided they're going for 40%, which I know if anyone tells me I'm upbeat and maybe being a little foolish, that's what we're listening to. Why, as you said, why would we not want to implement it? And, and the teams are working hard and they've, they've come up with the 40% target. We've got different models, as you can imagine, and most of our ladies have a choice of four. So they can go to the obstetric unit, which is on our main site at Trelisk. We've got standalone areas, which are three of those, and we've just put aside some money to refurbish those. They're absolutely key critical to working with our communities and continuity of carer. There are the ones that are co-located, so they're midwifery-led, but um, co-located. And then, of course, we've got our home so, so quite, quite a choice across the wow. patch. Wow. Because of our large rural and our rurality, um, it's looking at where are those best placed. So if you're going to really be serious about continuity of care, it's how do you get into the communities, how do you have that deep meaningful conversation and how do you get the engagement. So we've got Chai Kerno, which means home Cornwall, which covers, it's a community based team that covers the north of Cornwall. I've got to get my north, south, east, west, <laughs> otherwise I'll get shot when I get back. Um, it's quite, it's very rural and they're one of the few places that has a choice of four acute trusts so they can go over the border to Devon so don't forget there's Cornwall and then and then Devon. Um, if our ladies now choose to stay and give birth within North Cornwall 100% so far have had continuity of carer within that team so it just goes to show strong leadership, dedication, active listening with, with the team they've been able to do that. One of the key things I'd say they have the first antenatal visit in the, in the uh, family home which allows that meaningful bond to happen, have that time to have a look at home environment, siblings, father, other support centres and we've had really positive feedback on that and that really cements that relationship with named midwife and the family because we're not just talking about mum. Then we've got Penrice and St Austell, large town, most of our stillbirths um, and our complications have come from this really deprived area. So a really, really um, strong area for the team to concentrate on. There we have midwives, maternity support workers, the obstetrician and any other service they need to um, interact with, GP services, health visitors and not to forget alternative therapies. So it's looking at that broader aspect. M key critical as well is working with the Maternity Voices Partnership. So absolutely, what, what is our patient feedback or our client feedback? How do we make sure that we're listening and truly listening and then being able to have those difficult conversations sometimes about what we're able to offer and if we can't offer, why not? And what's important to them as opposed to what's important to us. So for this year, in April 2000, from April 2019, 45% of that clientele are now booked on for continuity of carer. We've also had a look and we've done some uh, transformation with the team. So it used to be not open 24-7, but it's absolutely had a refurbishment and it's now open 24-7. So that goes to show the commitment that the board absolutely have because you need to talk about what changes and support you 
give the teams as opposed to them telling you and you saying yes, 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 and, and, mm -hmm. and walking away with no, no commitment. Then of course we've got the beautiful Isles of Scilly. So 100% um, no uh, um, continuity of carer there. We have a very dedicated midwife, but of course you can imagine being so far away, we also need that backup support. So a few months ago we did a really great simulation test um, which was multidisciplinary and I believe the first that's ever been done on, on an island type um, environment. So that was great. We learnt a lot as um, healthcare professionals on if things went wrong, how do we act as a, an entire team. And I think that's on YouTube if anybody would, wants to look that up. Um, we've just totally redone and it's called the Island Birthing Suite which, and it's really, really nice but that serves the population um, and we've worked really hard with the Maternity Voice Partnership as well as the people on the island to make sure that we're giving and actually our midwife on the island is uh, born and bred there and she's pregnant at the moment <laughs> so congratulations. <laughs> However, we're looking at how do we keep that continuity of care whilst she herself is having her baby. And then we've got the Traveller community. So there's a, there's a registered site, which um, is a travelling community site, which can house up to 50 families. And you can imagine that um, quite often they have complex histories. We've got at least three ladies on our books currently that are being looked after and case-loaded by, uh, by two midwives supporting, working with a traveller space, which is a charity that works with, to make sure that we are looking after their needs needs and also having that right conversation in the right space and giving the right care. Quite a complex, so the three ladies booked on already in that service all have a very, very complex history. So we're, we're working really closely there. So hopefully that will work out. And last and not least, we've got West Cornwall, which is a freestanding birthing unit. And um, there they have the four choices and again looking at a mixture of caseloading that will run alongside the continuity of carer. So I might have taken up quite a bit of time but hopefully if you're working in a rural or, or a city because Trelisk's in city how do you get that blended approach and how do you truly work with teams that are in real reality with complex histories but keep that communication going and I know we'll talk about some of the challenges later. Kim, that is really, really insightful. And, and what I'm mostly impressed about is, as a chief nurse, your level of knowledge and interest in your maternity service. And I'm hoping to hear a little bit later about how heads and directors of midwifery can really work collaboratively with their chief nurse to increase the pace of change for continuity of carer, but thank you, so much going on in the South. Absolutely, so if you're coming down on holiday and you're pregnant, you should have a key to guide <laughs> where to go. <laughs> Great, so we've flown now from, uh, metaphorically of course, from the South right um, to Chelsea and Westminster Hospital, and we're now going to hear from Pippa Nightingale. Well, all I can say, Kim, is I want to come and be the midwife at Works in the Isle of Scilly, <laughs> covering the maternity leave, that would be amazing. 
Um, but yes, so London, a very, very different landscape, as you can all imagine. So Chelsea and Westminster has two uh, acute sites. So the Chelsea and Westminster site on the Fulham Road and the West Middlesex site in uh, um, Isleworth, Twickenham. Uh, so 11,500 births across them two sites uh, every year. So a very busy maternity unit. Um, I can say we have absolutely embraced continuity of care as an organisation, but very much as a maternity uh, service, which is really exciting. And when I think of the national picture, I think what an achievement. Over three years, 15% increase in continuity of care, which is great. That 10,000 women who are receiving continuity of care, we've got to celebrate that. I guess my concern is taken three years to get there. We've got to all embrace this now in the last two years to achieve every woman getting that. That shouldn't be an aspiration. That's just now got to be normal practice for all women. Um, and that's very much our ethos. I think what's worked well for us is working as a sector. So we are Chelsea and Westminster, which is part of North West London. We have four acute maternity units um, within North West London. And I can honestly say working as a sector and, and rolling this out across North West London has been a real benefit for us. We did have a head start, so we were one of the early adopter sites. So I am very mindful that we had that year's head start really, which really did get us on the right path and got us all working collectively across a whole sector. So when we've looked at approving business cases for continuity of carer and models of care, we've approved that at our STP clinical board. So that prevents every single chief nurse and director of midwifery having to do that individually. It's done at a sector level, which has really started to accelerate some of this implementation, which has been great. Um, so on the Chelsea and Westminster site, so we've now got five uh, pure case loading teams with two more rolling out shortly. And we've got both of our birth centres now, so 2,000 women delivering on the birth centres um, in integrated team uh, midwifery caseloads, which is great as well. So we reached 24% uh, at the end of March uh, and we're striving to uh, achieve over our 35% this year and over our 50% the following year. And we've got a very clear plan. I've got an excellent director of midwifery, Victoria Cochrane, who is very much charged with uh, implementing this and is doing that at STEAM. I think what's exciting is the midwives are so behind her now. They absolutely are. I think that time has changed and we've now got midwives really wanting to work in this way. And, and you can't do that unless you've got midwives that understand the benefit and want to work in that way. We've also, through Maternity Voice Partnership, but also through the women that have been cared for, are absolutely our supporters. I mean, I brought one to Trust Board two months ago to tell their story of the care that was provided to them in their caseload. She could have sold caseload midwifery to anybody. She was just so pleased with the care she had and couldn't understand why all women didn't have that and wanted to do everything she could to make sure that all women do have that. Um, we also did an excellent Who's Shoes event with women, so we did a co-design event to try and understand what women thought continuity of carer was and actually what they wanted from it. It was such an insightful event, it was brilliant. Um, and actually what women were worried about the midwives actually and, and worried about the pressure it would put on them, whereas midwives were worried about how they would achieve this for women. So it was a great, it was a really good day. Um, and some real clear outcomes came out of that. So I would absolutely encourage everybody to use women and, and you know, people who are supporting and using this service to design it with them. Um, I think for us, what's been really important is our trust board being behind us. Um, and I would say to everybody that the directors of midwifery have to absolutely ensure that all their chief nurses understand not just continuity of care, but why we're doing it. I think sometimes people have got hung up on continuity of care and this number and this target, but actually that's just that's the mechanism of getting us to what actually is delivering a safer outcome of our maternity services. And I think that's what people need to understand. 
That was the presentation that went to our trust board uh, two months ago. So actually our director of midwifery presented that, supported by myself. But the passion that came out from her about delivering safer outcomes, there is not one single trust board member that would sit around that table and not agree with that as a principle. So if, you know, if, if continuative care is the way we can achieve that, then actually that's what I think people need to understand, not just that we're doing, we're providing continuative care. Um, I think for maternity services, they can't do this on their own. They need the support of the whole organisation. And that's not just your chief nurse, that's your HR director, that's your chief financial officer, that's your chief operating officer. You know, that's what our executive boards are set up for, is to support our teams to deliver these safe outcomes. So I think every executive member of the team actually has got responsibility of supporting with this. Um, which is why I think chief nurses, directors of midwifery, heads of midwifery need to ensure they all understand what we're trying to achieve so that people are getting the support to do this huge workforce redesign. I mean, this is a huge redesign of a clinical pathway. Um, and I think that probably won't happen unless we've got a whole executive board signed up to this and supporting enabling this to happen. Um, and that's what we're starting to see now. So actually the path was probably very difficult to start off with, but it's now becoming easier and easier the more teams that we roll out. We know the, the blueprint, if you like, we know how to do it. It's rolled out, it's monitored, we've got very clear KPIs and it just becomes easier and easier. Um, so I'm hoping that getting to the 35% will actually be easier than getting to the 24%, because um, I think we've really done the challenging bit, but I'm conscious that we've got a lot to achieve in two years. And you know, my aim is actually over the 50%. All women need to have care provided in this way. I think the, the one bit for me that's been interesting is the vulnerable groups. So the hard to reach groups we absolutely cannot forget about and not dissimilar to Kim in, in um, Cornwall actually, London has very, very diverse groups. And what we need to be careful of is that it's not always the women that shout the loudest or know how to work a system and get this model of care. We absolutely need to be reaching the hard to reach groups who actually don't really know how to access these services and aren't always signposted into the right direction. And I think our maternity voice partnerships can be really helpful in that, really trying to engage some of our vulnerable populations. And London is um, you know, no different to Cornwall, actually. You literally streets apart can have the most affluent street to the most poorest street. And how you prioritise the care at the moment, we have to prioritise it because we're not giving it to all women. We need to make sure we're prioritising that to our vulnerable groups. Um, and that's what we're working really hard to do. We've chosen to do that by in every team that we roll out, we have a vulnerable lead in each team. So rather than putting out uh, teams of just for vulnerable women, we've actually got a vulnerable midwife lead in each team. So we can try and base them in the geographical areas. Uh, and they're all supported by, I have a consultant midwife for public health who, who leads that, that whole team. So we've got a really good network around that. Um, but I think we just mustn't forget that. Great, and that, that is absolutely phenomenal. I could listen to you for hours um, just speaking about the pace of change and engaging with different people that help us to run our services. So the Chief Finance Officer, the um, HR Director, um, and all the other key people, the non-execs, as you've mentioned, and of course, we have you as chief nurses here. So thank you, Pippa, for those pearls of wisdom. And also, I was going to mention the Embrace data that talks about the um, stark widening, widening inequalities, particularly for the socioeconomically disadvantaged in terms of maternal mortality and um, the uh, black, black British, Asian, Asian British women who are disproportionately affected by um, inequalities that equal uh, mortality, morbidity, neonatal mortality in stillbirth, 
disproportionate to their white counterparts. So it's great that you're focusing some of your efforts in looking at those groups. Um, but very specifically then, for our last few minutes, this section is really, really key. And, um, you know, one could ask, the listeners could ask, why haven't we got the directors and heads of midwifery here in this podcast today? Well, we've listened to the views of our amazing directors and heads of midwifery. We've listened to the views of midwifery registrants and we need to increase the pace of change. And frequently we're being um, uh, very often um, asked about the relationship between the chief nurse and some of our policy initiatives. So that's why we've got the chief nurses here today. So if there's a pearl of wisdom that you could share with heads, directors of midwifery or indeed other chief nurses to achieve this policy ambition of most women to have continuity of carer by 2021 or let's repackage that and let's say as, as Pippa as, as eloquently described improved outcomes the best care for most women by 2021 by the vehicle of continuity of care what would be your pearl of wisdom Kim right oh that was neatly packaged if I could just go back a little bit for me, as a board, I think Pippa's absolutely the strength of change. For me, it's not a redesign, it should be a right. We talk about better outcomes. If we can't get the beginning of life correct, how do we not get that entire continuity? People talk about cradle to grave, actually it's inception to grave. We've got to get this right. As a board, you have to take it personally and have that personal commitment. It's everybody around the board. It's not, it's not seen in isolation. I think sometimes, I sometimes, you know, they say you're chief nurse. Well, no, actually I'm the director of nursing, midwifery and AHPs. It comes as a package, nothing comes in isolation. I think a pearl of wisdom is, is active listening, being visible, going out and engaging. I'm sure I'm, I'm, I'm not too dissimilar. I have a very, um, static population and that includes our, our midwives where I work we're multi-generational where we work our midwives are part of the community they in turn are patients so actually they often know themselves what they would like I've had three grandchildren in Cornwall so I'm personally invested but I think active listening choosing the right leadership and that sometimes asking the most difficult question. I think sometimes if you go out to where you know there's the most disenfranchised and having those difficult conversation actually puts you on the front foot, as difficult as that is, because actually if you can have that honest dialogue, I would rather someone tell me that um, I need to be committed to re-looking at the workforce. I know that, but how am I going to invest in that? So it's the second time in 18 months we're going to do the full birth rate plus and that will include the element of continuity of carer because I have to be honest, I'm sure as Pippa is, around the board is what is it going to cost? Let's, let's be really, really honest. We absolutely are committed, but what is it going to cost? How are we going to work collectively as a board, a system to be able to provide 
that care that we know everybody wants and needs and should expect and then um, then how do we then roll that out to make sure the last thing we need is midwives to feel disenfranchised I have absolutely no um, qualm in saying that it's going to be a totally different way of working and let's have the right tools so I already know the electronic rostering system doesn't support it so you know do we let's let's throw away the rule book in the nicest possible way and have strength in our convictions to allow people to be able to work differently and understand what they need as support to be able to do that wow that's phenomenal absolutely phenomenal and pippa yes yeah, so i um, absolutely echo kim what i would say um as a chief nurse is i don't think there's a single chief nurse across england that would not support this as an initiative no chief nurse would want to be in a post where they do not want the best outcomes for women and children what I would say as a chief nurse, we are balancing a lot of balls. We're juggling a lot of balls. So um, we're not experts in every field and that's okay. So, you know, I can honestly say to you, I have my oncology team, my end of life care team, my palliative care team coming to me saying, these are the standards and these are what we need to do. They will absolutely be knocking on my door telling me what needs to happen. Same for my paediatric team, same for my critical care team or my ED team and maternity needs to have that same voice. So I'd almost put it back to maternity services and leaders of maternity services. You need to be knocking on your chief nurse door, making sure they understand this is what we're trying to achieve. This is why we're trying to achieve it. So this is what it will deliver for this outcome. The women having children in our organisation, this is what it will do. Um, these are the safety outcomes and this is what I need from you. And unless people come and shout about and are passionate and want to drive improvements in their service, then actually what voice have I got to pass on? So I think um, maternity services and leaders of them need to take accountability, need to use their chief nurse as their support vehicle, absolutely. And, and I think every single chief nurse will be there to hear it and to support that. And we have to remember that most organisations across this country are in financial um, constraints at the moment. So we're constantly prioritising, but we have to hear the right thing from the professional leads. And I rely on all my directors of nursing, directors of midwifery to be that voice for me so I can then steer our trust board in the, in the right way in terms of safety outcomes. So I would say for maternity leaders, get your voices loud and clear and make sure you've got a very comprehensive story to tell your chief nurse that then she can go and tell to the trust board. And actually put yourself there, tell yourself, you know, be supported by your chief nurse, but go to that trust board yourself as a director of midwifery and tell the story. Thank you, Pippa. And just before we get that's absolutely fantastic, before we go on to the next question, I'm just going to push you with regard to cost, because I know at Chell West, um, you and your team and others have presented um, something that others might want to hear with regard to a group of women that happen to have gestational diabetes or not. Yeah, so absolutely. So I think it's really important, and I think we've made this mistake in midwifery, we've also made it across nursing, that we're not always, we've made initiatives and changes in the past and we haven't always measured outcomes. And I think this is our time to, to prove that continuity of care actually does deliver safer outcomes. So we've been fortunate through the early adopters that actually we have measured every single outcome and we have implemented. And that was actually, to be fair, that was one of the obstetricians, very loud and clear saying at the start, why are we just looking at women um, under a normal pathway? Actually, why aren't we delivering this care? Continuity of care to women on a high risk pathway, correct challenge. Um, so we put out a team for diabetic women very much supported by the obstetrician, so a named obstetrician with six midwives providing continuity of care to a diabetic population. Um, and actually what it has shown is quite a lot of savings. So there's four obstetric appointments less every maternity pathway because a midwife could just pick up the phone to the obstetrician and say, I don't think you need to see her, but 
what do you think of this? Um, so it makes a much more efficient service. It's actually reduced almost by half the number of women needing insulin in their pregnancy, uh, really reduced the women needing a sliding scale in labour and reduced the, ne the need for metformin as well. So it's made some very um, obvious clinical savings in that, but then you can look at how you reinvest that into a workforce. Great. Thank you so much. It's been really, really informative and really interesting from both of you. Every time I hear you both speak, I'm so informed and so in touch with policy and clinical practice on the ground. So we've only got a, a, a couple of minutes left and, and I'd really um, firstly want to just summarise what we have done from a national perspective in relation to the incentives, incentives and levers for rolling out and supporting providers to implement continuity of carer. And I'm then going to ask each of you for is there anything else that you think we can do First of all, we, we've, we've done an awful lot, I think. And when I look back, we have had um, a guidance document, evidence uh, that are very well evidence. We've had a, a toolkit. We have worked with the Royal College of Midwives who have um, developed an iLearn module. We've had Twitter chats. I've done a road trip with my two deputies, um, Yana Richards and Claire Matthews. We've, we've um, made contact with all um, uh, 44 LMSs, so 100% of the LMSs, and all maternity providers, uh, staff within their organisations. Um, we have uh, implemented planning guidance that said the 20% ambition for continuity of carer. We've got further planning guidance. On the table this year is a contractual lever in the NHS standard contract. For the first time in history, we have continuity of carer in the NHS standard contract. We speak, we meet on a one-to-one, -one, we deep dive our regional colleagues, regional um, midwifery leads in each of the NHS England regions working really, really hard with their teams and their colleagues um, and so on. We have done, we've got Baroness Cumberledge flying the flag, we've got Sarah Jane Marsh flying the flag. Recently we've got the new Chief Nursing Officer for England, Ruth May, who's also, also speaking about continuity of care, not to mention some of our key politicians and our Simon Stevens, the chief exec of the NHS, and I could go on and on. However, that is still not enough. Our Maternity Voices Partnership are telling us that we need to keep going with this ambition and move further, faster. So what more can we do? And we'll start with Kim again. Hmm. So I think when we talk about Maternity Voices Partnership, actually it isn't just about having the conversations, whose shoes, um, they work with us to do guidance, we look at um, the way we work, they sit on our interview panel, so really be inclusive because it gives you a different perspective. I think for, for us, uh, I say us in rural um, uh, districts, actually there's been little or no attention given to where uh, community midwives practice out of, it's always in a little room somewhere that often isn't fit for purpose, so I think going forward if we truly want to be able to do continuity of carer and we do when we're looking at the new builds whether it be NHS GP surgeries let's look at it from an integrated perspective let's get people as close to the home as we possibly can so that would be a, a plea from myself I think it's about for me when I go to the directors of nursing in the south we had Jenny Hughes put it on our integrated agenda it's that's where chief nurses get to hear that that's where we come and network so that's where I think is a great place having Jenny talk about continuity of carer absolutely you know it's 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 
it's part of everything, not just over here. Um, the other thing I'd say is let's talk more widely about the challenges in transforming the workforce. I'm not talking redesign. Redesign makes it sound like a process. It's not a process. It's transforming services for every single family. So how do we do that collectively and, and be able to see what, what do our midwives say, what do our communities say and what can we do as a board to be able to facilitate that? Great. Thank you very, very much, Kim. Over to Pippa. So I agree with Kim and I think, you know, everything is now starting to become aligned, which is great. This year feels like the first year that policy and practice is aligned, actually. It's in the contract, you know, it's then being replicated in, in CCG quality contracts, you know, it's there. I think next year it needs to go into the CNST 10-point plan without a doubt. If we think that is what's delivering safer maternity care, then absolutely it needs to go into the 10-point plan. And I think that would then put pressure on organisations that are maybe resisting this slightly, if, you know, if that makes a reduction in their premium, then that is going to deliver um, for some organisations. So I think everything that needs to be aligned from policy uh, absolutely needs to happen. Great, and what a challenge we've ended with. Um, CNST incentivization. here we come, or not, as the case may be. Can I just say thank you so much to our two chief nurses, Kim and Pippa, for giving their time on this exciting Monday to talk to us about improving outcomes for women in their families through the vehicle of continuity of carer. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you very much.